As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. This will be our Civilized Barking. What's normally post-game, we didn't do it post-game for a couple reasons, most of them logistical. Um, as the Browns were headed to L.A., so was I. Um, so it is 1.30 here in Southern California. I am not clearly at the same Beverly Hills Hotel that the Browns are, but I'm here, they're here. Um, Jason is at home. The Browns' winning streak is over. Uh it was not a good day, which you know, but I feel like Jason in the last 30 minutes or so, um, the Kevin Stefanski delivered the best news possible given the situations, plural, and that um, without going into any detail, he basically said that, that Miles doesn't have structural injury. And Miles Garrett, the leading candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, the biggest reason this defense has been so dominant and one of the primary reasons this defense still has a chance to drag this team to the playoffs. Um, he said he felt a pop and he was in a sling. He needed help putting his t-shirt on. And so you worried, right? The, the MRI was scheduled for today and you worried that it was going to be season ending. So you know, we'll see where it stands in about four days. The Browns don't even have a full practice until Wednesday, which is, is standard, but um, let's start there. That, that, that's a win um, amid a bunch of losses and um, not a bunch of positivity over the last you know 30 or so hours. I thought we could pack up the tent and just head home if Miles is out for the year, given what else that this team has already faced. I don't know how you overcome that on top of everything else. Uh, obviously, my initial fear, it's the same shoulder as the car accident. How many times last year did we see him struggle after games to put his shirt on, much like he did yesterday, and he just wasn't the same player? He fought through it last year, but he just wasn't the same player the rest of the year. I guess that's still a concern. Uh, no structural damage, though, is huge. And hopefully he can still be the same dominant force on the field. Uh, you just hope that this doesn't take away any of his movement, strength, anything like that, because uh, you need a, you need two good shoulders to be a defensive lineman in the NFL. So, Jason, I just want to tell you that whatever your setup is, this is the second straight one where you have a major lisp. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I promise. I, I don't want to. I didn't get my teeth knocked anyone. out. <laughs> I don't want to disparage anyone. I, do, I wanted to do a quick live welfare check and let you know. Um, you know, the last time I started to notice and people started chiming in in the chat, but it was one of the, it was, it's after the game and there's, you know, so much going on and 
right. we're trying to squeeze it in. I'm thinking about, am I going to write blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but you, so we're just, that's how it's going to be. So I, I did not have dental surgery. I don't know why it sounds that way. I guess because I don't, I just told Zach before we went live, I can't find my AirPods, my headphones. I don't know if that's why. And I'm just talking into the phone. I, I don't know, but yeah, I'm talking into my phone. But every time you say a word that has an S, it carries on for like three extra seconds. Suffering succotash. I'm sorry, boy. <laughs> okay. So the rest of the injury rundown, um, Dorian Thompson Robinson does have a concussion, um, which we knew from Sunday. Amari Cooper took a nasty shot to the ribs. The x-ray was negative. So, you know, he's played through this injury before. He's played through a lot. You would expect to have him. He and Miles never practice on a Wednesday or at least rarely do. So we'll see how the week goes along. It's going to be a pain tolerance thing, but but that's a big deal. You know how you make his ribs feel better? Stop having the quarterback throw a ball eight yards over his head. Well, P.J. Walker got him hurt. Yes, yes. Um, also Dorian threw a two point conversion right to him and he dropped it. That's true. So, um, and then Jordan Elliott, same. um, he had an ankle injury. They think it's going to be okay. So, you know, the big thing obviously is miles and then Denzel Ward, who didn't practice at all last week. You need him back. I mean, it was obvious and it's not just Denzel You know, Rodney McLeod had played half the snaps on defense this year in various packages and in filling in for Thornhill in a couple of games. And he is a guy that's here was brought here as a really smart late free agency signing because he was a really smart, experienced guy, had played for Schwartz, had played in big games. And the secondary got cooked. I mean, the Browns, the defense got cooked yesterday by, by Mr. Yeah. Evans, by a lot of things. But it was clear the way Cortland Sutton was running across and down the field that this defense without Denzel Ward and without, you know, Anthony Walker and Rodney McLeod, too, um, is not the same defense. And, and that's just where this team is, Jason. Uh, the, whoever's playing quarterback, it's a fight to get to 14 points. And so this is a truly elite defense. I have not and will not back down from that. Of course, in the NFL, you don't hold everybody down the way you beat the shit out of the Ryan Tannehills and Clayton Toons of the world. It has been a different defense on the road. There's numbers and the eye test to back that up. But, you know, it's it's not an out of the realm ask, but it's an unfair ask when you have to hold teams under 14 points. Right. And so that's where this team is. I wrote it on Friday. Uh, I said it last week and, and I say it now. Um, and again, I, I referenced last Friday for this reason, because we saw it. If this team, if this defense drags this team and, and the late game magic happens and they win 11 or 12, you know, now maybe 10 or 11, I won't be surprised. But if winning two more games is a fight, no one should be surprised either because when you can't score, you can't win. And you cannot expect the defense to play lights out every single game. I didn't think I'd start here, but let's start here because you mentioned Cortland Sutton. You were at the game. I was not. I was at home watching on my couch. I was a little surprised. I guess I'd start with I like Greg Newsom a lot more in the slot than I do outside corner. But I was a little surprised. We've seen with Jim Schwartz. Denzel gets one side of the field and uh, uh, Martin Emerson gets the other side and they don't really match up on receivers. They just play right and left. But I thought yesterday warranted shadowing Emerson a little bit more on Cortland Sutton because it looked like Denver went right at Greg Newsom on the first series and throughout the rest of the day. Were they playing? And I don't know if Greg was in the right coverages all the time. If he was playing zone, other people were playing man or vice versa. But were you at all surprised that they didn't try and get Martin on Cortland a little bit more? Yes. I mean, and, and that's another thing I thought on Friday that I wrote. Um, 
I mean, Martin is the big rangey guy. He usually faces the big rangey receivers. And so, yes, they did go at Newsom all day. The one over the middle, which I think was the second or third one, Greg stopped. It looks, you know, whether that was the coverage blown or whether it was his own blown coverage, I don't know. Um, he certainly didn't run with him the whole way. So, we, you know, we don't know. And again, that comes to having multiple super experienced guys being out, right, and, and the things you deal with. Uh, in, in that kind of scenario. But yeah, I, I was surprised that Martin Emerson wasn't on him. I mean, Jerry Judy is just not what he was expected to be. Right. And, um, Cortland Sutton has been there. He came in to that game, having caught a touchdown in five straight games. You know, he has been their, their pass offense. And, you know, now their winning streak is at five and that was not a good look for Greg Newsom. And, you know, this is, this is big picture here too. Greg is extension eligible. Uh, after this season, he's also, you know, probably one of the very few tradable commodities that the Browns have if they find themselves in, in a cap emergency or in need of other assets. And so, you know, they think they have a handle on it here, but there's a lot of games left. And there's as, as fourth quarter yesterday showed, there's a lot that can go a certain way on the injury front, right? Um, when Greg's been good, he's been good. And I think he's been good this year when he was healthy, but that was not his best game. And then of course, you know, the pass interference penalty for 30-some yards kills you almost every time. But the same guy, Alex Wright, jumps off sides twice. Yep. Right. It was an uncharacteristic sloppy game. So I, I wanted to, I, I'm not sure which direction the, the rest of this conversation will go. And frankly, I don't know how long we can carry it because your lisp is so bad that I just die laughing. I don't even <laughs> to what you say, whether you make a good point or not. But um, I did want to talk about the game, right? And, like, it was not a winning performance from the Browns, right? And, and it's a tough environment. Um, you know, team, the, the Broncos are equipped to attack the way that teams attack this defense um, with a quarterback who's semi-mobile with, you know, different running backs of different skill sets, uh, you know, and, and then one receiver who, who who beat the crap out of you, frankly, when you didn't have your top corner. So um, the ball cannot be on the ground five times, right? And then obviously you can't be in there in the fourth quarter, like you said, with P.J. Walker throwing hospital balls. And you're down multiple scores, and they're just launching on you. So, uh, anything else from the game that, that stood out to you as notable, alarming, um, otherwise, you know, outside of the injuries, of course. Well, I, first of all, I saw. Uh, I won't get that anywhere. I saw Taylor's comment. I'm not backing down from anything. I think Kevin's done an unbelievable job, and he deserves an extension. And one game is not going to change my mind on that. I, when you look at the match report of injuries and the fact that they barely have enough guys to field an offensive line and an offense uh, was yesterday's game plan. Perfect. No, it wasn't. Could they run the ball more? Yeah, sure. Fine. Of course they could have. I thought you had a really interesting stat that I didn't even think to look up. I, I'm assuming you got it from one of our crack analytics guys at the athletic about success rate, starting with passes over runs. And oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get, do you want to get to that now? Yeah, let's do it because Denver was clearly stacking the box early in the yes. game. Uh, they didn't have a great run defense and, and, Cleveland's going to have to throw it to loosen up the run. Kevin is on record multiple times as saying he's, he believes in that. You don't have to run to establish the pass. He likes going in reverse. Um, there's plenty to nitpick at, uh, but we, you and I, because I wasn't at the game, we didn't have a chance. Normally we sit next to each other and we talk throughout the game, but this is really our first opportunity to talk about what we liked and didn't like. So I'm curious what you thought about the whole thing. Yeah, so um, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Being at the game in the press box is a completely different viewing experience than watching on TV, right? You, you can attest to that. And oh, yeah. a lot of times I am 
watching the sideline for the medical tent, for who sh- who feels like they should be in the game but isn't, who has body language, who's running in and out on certain packages, right? Um, you know, not Connor Stallion's level stuff, right? But, but <laughs> stuff that you're able to track. And one of the reasons the company sends you to these games, right? Um, whereas on the TV, you're locked in to things. And whether you're listening to the announcers or not. And, and Mark Sanchez know, is horrible at his job. He's awful. Yeah. And I hope to never have to listen to a Mark Sanchez broadcast again. Hope and pray to God I'm sitting next to you for the rest of the round <laughs> yes. after L.A. But, but subconsciously or not, and good announcer or not, what gets discussed becomes part of your thinking after the game, right? Yes. Whether you go on a podcast or, or talk to your son about the game or, or whatever, right? So I'm unaware of this. I, I will tell you this. Um, did Jerome Ford only having nine carries really stick out? Yes. Did not using more shotgun runs based on the Brown, Broncos defensive ranking stick out? Yes. But did I see a Broncos defense that had no reason to fear the deep pass and felt like it had a good feel for things, sitting and daring the Browns to run the ball? Yes. And to go back to the original point, when I saw that on on the uh, RBS site that we use for for live game tracking, I knew post game of of the discourse. I didn't feel like that was a primary reason the Browns. I already laid out the reasons the Browns lost. They couldn't hold on to the ball. The defense couldn't get in the right place. They they got themselves down, and they're not good enough with this offense to to come from that right. But I was partially trolling when I tweeted that. However, however, when I saw the giant response outside of the group of people that exist that go into every game thinking that they're going to hate Kevin Stefanski. And right, that's going to be their only thing is to tear down Kevin Stefanski because there is that group there, and, oh, and yeah. those people are rarely right. I mean, he he's an imperfect coach, but he's a really good coach. Anyway, guys, success rate means that on first and second down, you gain X number of yards, and then on third or fourth down, you convert the first down, and then every time that you convert a first down, it's considered a new series. We're not talking about drives, right? They only have eight to twelve drives in a game, right? So it's just a number. And I totally agree with you guys that got super angry to say success rate reflects on the scoreboard and in the standings because it absolutely does. But success rate is a way to measure what you're doing. And when you have to play the way that Kevin Stefanski and this Browns team have to play, when you're not going to be able to put up 24, 27 points, when you have to make every drive count, move the chains and convert these by using all these different quarterbacks, whether that's right or wrong, that's a pretty telling stat on how you have to get there. And I haven't gone back and watched the full game yet because I've been traveling out here. And and frankly, I was getting ready for what I thought might be really devastating headline news on Miles Garrett today. You know, we didn't know. Um, the Browns had to throw. And David Njoku wasn't covered all day. The only guy that stops David Njoku is David Njoku. Yep. Right? So Dorian threw some great ones. There was a couple times the Broncos had the exact blitz dialed up and he hit great balls. One to D, one to um, Tillman comes to mind, and one to Cooper on the sideline comes to mind. There were other times that he just missed guys. He's playing better. He's limited physically. He's he's still a rookie, and there's throws that he can't make. But outside of a few occasions, guys, the way to have success, whether you're using success rate as any real measurement or not, was for the Browns to move the pocket and try to hit some of these short throws. It really was. The Broncos were daring them to throw. Absolutely daring them. And just to say this, if you run with your own Ford on first down for three yards, okay, and then you run on Kareem Hunt on second down for one yard, that's third and six. And the whole point of Stefanski's game plan 
is to stay out of third and six. So again, he's not perfect. It was not perfect. And Jerome Ford only having nine carries when you have this offensive line and the Broncos have number 31 DVO or a run defense, it does stand out. But I don't feel like the, that the play calling was egregiously bad. And even in the top three reasons that the Browns lost the game. I, and there's nothing that you guys can say screaming it on the internet or not to, to change that. I think that people are getting irrationally angry because they've convinced themselves of that and they're not seeing what's in front of them and what the Browns are dealing with and just trying to move these chains the way they are. Very, very, very well said. I'm trying to decide if I should use more S's or less S's. <laughs> and I'm going back and forth, but I, I thought you nailed it because there are, if you, when you look at the numbers, there was opportunities for them to run more at times. Sure, yes. I didn't think it was overly egregious. And, you know, real quick, I wanted to touch on, I, I, I didn't love the reverse to strong, and that did seem to be a game changer in the outcome of it. And I was talking to my buddy, Tyvis Powell, and I talked about that this morning on Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, was the, I, I went back and watched that. And because my initial thought was, you're a running back, catch the pitch, like catch a toss. All you're doing is you're asking a running back to catch a toss, like that's on him. But then I went back and watched it, and... DJ Jones just made a terrific play at defensive tackle for Denver and Tyvis, because obviously I was in the locker room, couldn't ask any of the players about this, but Tyvis thought that DJ put an outside swim move on Wyatt Teller and he thought that the, the Browns probably anticipated DJ going to the inside and the fact he went to outside, Jones just made, just blew up the entire play. Jones puts an outside swim move on, on Wyatt. He's standing there waiting for Pierre Strong. Strong probably saw him, which is why he dropped the ball, because he knew the play was dead. He's about to be blown up. And it turns into absolute disaster. And Tyvis' point was Denver probably knew something was up because uh, uh, Elijah Moore is in the backfield, and he hasn't been in the backfield in seven weeks. So when you, when you line up Elijah in the backfield and Strong in the slot, that's a radar sign to Denver's defense that something is amiss and be on the lookout for something. And, and Tyvis felt like if you switch those two guys, you know, maybe you have a better odds of success. I want to at least mention that, get your thoughts on it, because I know everyone's losing their mind over the play. I kind of looked at that play call as I did. Kevin throwing it on third down at Seattle, sort of ambivalent on it. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Understood that you're probably not calling that play in that moment. If Dorian is still in the game, that's the first play when Dorian gets knocked out. Mm -hmm. And PJ, you know you got to run the ball because your quarterback is now a turnover machine, and every time he touches it, he puts it on the ground. They know we have to run it, so let's at least try and add a wrinkle to it. And it blew up in their face, and it was an absolute disaster, but I kind of, a little bit, get the thought process behind it. Well, i got to start with this. In Tyvis' long football career, his coach has probably called him a lot of things. This is the first time he's ever been called Tyvis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it like this up. for the rest of the year just to punish all of you. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that play up for, for several reasons. Okay. The first time the Browns ran it, it was with Kareem Hunt. It was in the first half. I forget if it was late first or early second quarter, but they ran the guy around. Kareem faked it. If he gives the ball off there, it's there. And I asked Kareem about it specifically after the game, and he said that he kept it because he saw a big one, and he said they were one half of one more block away from busting the big one. So they come out to start the fourth quarter and they run it because they noted that it was there. And because Kevin has zero trust in PJ Walker, which is why I think Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback of this team. Yeah. Right. Um, they think it's going to be there. Well, the Broncos have noted that too. And DJ Jones 
probably says to himself, the last time they ran this, we almost got caught on that block. So he chooses a different route, right? And timing is everything. And it's a, I didn't hate the call. It was there. I hated it. It was Elijah Moore giving to Pierre Strong. Now, does that say a little about the state of this offense? Yes. Right? But he was taking the ball out of P.J. Walker's hands because he does not trust him. They don't execute, and it's a make-or-miss league. And, and he deserves the ribbing for that. To me, way more than the run-pass ratio, guys. Way, way more because it doesn't work. You know, I don't watch a lot of the Cavs right now because I'm busy, and I certainly won't see them all week unless they happen to play one of the L.A. teams, and I know they just played the Lakers. But J.B. Bickerstaff is, is on the hot seat, at least with the fans. I don't know with the organization or not. But, Jason, is he not a lot better coach when Matt Struess makes seven threes than when he goes two for 11? Absolutely, yes. He is. Yes, yes. So my point there is that, you know, it's, it's the right play. It's the right look. It gets blown up. And, and, you know, it becomes, because the ball's on the ground, because it doesn't work, it becomes what you point to. And on a sloppy day that simply wasn't a winning performance for the Browns, that one stands out. But there's the two reasons that he's going to that play in that situation, I think, have been clearly out, outlined. And, you know, if it works, Pierre Strong does have jets. And he hadn't been in the game at all. His legs are fresh, right? Like, maybe that goes a long way because he's saying in that spot, PJ can't get us a long way. And that's why it got ugly from there. Yeah. It got so ugly that the Broncos kneeled before the two-minute warning and ended up punting because they knew the game was over. No, I know it was 17 points, but you just don't see that. You at least see the inside handoff to the third string running back. Right. Right. But they were saying that, that it's over. So, um, you know, that's from the game. Again, we're, we're not – we're rarely ever going to change anyone's mind, and, and the screaming in this one is especially true. I, I, I think, like in every other game, Kevin would like two or three play calls back. I do not think Kevin lost in the game by saying we need to throw it all over the place. I think Kevin had a sound game plan in trying to get to 17 points, and they didn't get there. And, and I thought Dorian showed real growth over two quarters, but without that dumbass penalty on P.J. Locke, the Browns don't even score a touchdown. I want to get – I, I wanted to get to Dorian because I thought the best throw he's made in a Browns jersey was the third down completion to Amari. That was all arm strength, off his back foot, off balance. Looked like a bust. Looked like looked like an incompletion. Looked like one of those balls that quarterbacks make out of desperation, and he skips it to the receiver. He threw that 21, 22 yards on a seed right at Amari. Amari made a great catch. And you could just see him start to feel himself after that, Dorian. And you could see the confidence grow. He hit with Njoku. He hit like in triple coverage, threaded it in after that. And it was like, and I, I tweeted it. I stand by it. I thought, he, this kid just grew up. And I really felt like that could be a pivot point for him as a starting quarterback. And then the very next series, he gets laid out on the turf and, and they're carrying him off. And that, as typical Browns luck goes, there you go. And now we're having a flacco conversation. No, I, I agree. I, I, I had a, a similar conversation this morning, which I said, look, he, he's not perfect, and we are grading him on a curve, but I thought there was real growth in that game. I thought, you know, the couple throws I mentioned where the Broncos had the right blitz and he still found the guy, I thought just in general, um, his body language, his, his decision-making, um, and, and the throws that were on were much more on. Right, he still missed some. Um, he still was a little hesitant in some spots, and still sometimes the defense got to him. One thing I want to address before we get to to the quarterback situation, there, I see Gunner. Why are we starting games slow? Um, you know, offensively, I think it's because they're so limited that 
defenses are playing them a certain way and Kevin's doing what we've just addressed over the last 15 minutes here, right? They're, they're running some of their best stuff, but it's a feel out. Um, defenses aren't respecting the long ball. The Browns aren't trying the long ball. And if they're not getting the broken tackle or hitting the swing, the open guy on the swing pass or the screen pass, they're punting. And defensively, slow starts on the road have been an issue <clears throat> all year long. Um, really, in, you know, specifically against quarterbacks that have a little mobility. They turn Gardner Minshew into Michael Vick for two quarters, right? Shane Sykin, who is a coach of the year candidate, eventually lost the game by letting Miles do what he did. But the defense on the road has not been what it's been. And if you want to say it's a speed-based defense that maybe is a little quicker off the ball at home because of the crowd noise or because they've been able to play downhill, you know, I can buy that. Um, you know, just a week ago, they led 10 nothing on the Steelers. So it's not been all the time, but on the road, it has been an issue. And like I said, just one of the overlying issues with this team um, and, and why getting to 10 wins is not a given is because it's just so hard to score and the margin for error is, is very slim. So um, about the quarterback situation, Dorian is in the protocol. Uh, you know, he got blasted. He got taken in. I guess the TV showed him bleeding. He definitely got to see him briefly leaving the locker room. He was walking on his own. He was fine. Like every other 24-year-old, he was on social media, said something like, my ass got lit up. He did have a, a, appear to be a little, I don't know if it was a stitch or a heavy Band-Aid um, on him, and then he'll be here going through the normal protocol. <clears throat> I believe there's only been one quarterback all year and only a handful of players at any position that have cleared the protocol in a week. And then even if he does, that leads you to, he's a rookie. You have a condensed game plan because you possibly start him on Sunday if he doesn't get cleared until Friday or Saturday, which seems like best case scenario. So he's probably out and nothing that Kevin Stefanski has said or done indicates that he wants to give the PJ Walker for one more play. So that leads you to Joe Flacco who hasn't played at all since last January. Uh, he started the first three games of, for the Jets last year. And then the last game was not invited to a camp. The Jets lost their starter on week one, never called him back. He's 38 years old. He was thrown um, with some local people, not professional receivers. He was thrown to his kids in the yard. He had a workout for the first time ever um, 10 days ago with the Browns. Three days after that, he was officially signed, and he's on this trip. So he remained on the practice squad last week. He remains on the practice squad now. At this very moment, he's in the quarterback meetings with the Browns. Is Dorian in those meetings? I don't know. It would depend on where he is in the protocol, if he's in the dark room treatment or or some other medical treatment. But they have to get either Walker or Flacco ready. Um, I would say this, Jason. If the Browns think that Joe has anything left, I think he will start. Whether I'm right or wrong on that, I think it's going to be a kitchen sink approach. I think you're going to see Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford line up. I think you're going to see Harrison Bryant line up, whether you guys like it or not. I think you'll see a little bit of both guys because Joe has no mobility no familiarity with this offense. I think it will be a complete almost throwback to Chris Palmer in 2000 before anybody else had run the Wildcat, running different guys in. And Joe Flacco being the primary guy and there to chuck it down the field. But a little bit of everything, including the same trick play that almost worked yesterday. Your thoughts? Uh, it makes my head hurt to think that this is where we're at, but this is where we're at. I, I, P.J. Walker cannot take another snap for the Browns. I, he just can't. 
And he, he, how many times did he put it on the ground? Every time he's pressured, he fumbles. Is what it, I mean, I know that's an over-exaggeration, but not by much. Every time he's hit, he puts the ball on the ground. There's constantly linemen diving on the ball when, when P.J. Walker's in the game. So I agree. I tweeted yesterday, it's got to be Flacco. I can't believe this is where we're at, but this is where we're at. If DTR can't go, it has to be Joe. Um, and, and I guess you touched on what I was thinking about earlier today is one of my biggest concerns. What do you do if it's Thursday or Friday and Dorian is cleared? And, you, and you're right. I think Brock Purdy is the only quarterback to be cleared within a week on, on protocol. But what do you do? I mean, obviously, Joe Flacco was on a golf course 10 days ago. So if you're trying to get him up to speed and give, you're giving him the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday reps, and then Dorian is magically cleared Friday, who do you play? Because Dorian needs those reps as well. He's still a raw, young, fifth-round rookie who hasn't had a ton of reps yet. And it feels like they're back in the position of trying to get two guys ready. I mean, until he's cleared from the protocol, you only have one guy to get ready. But if he is cleared this week, I think it really leaves them in a little bit of a bind in terms of how you divide the reps and and who you get ready to go. And it just, I mean, they tried to Baltimore. They tried to have two guys ready, and they had neither one of them ready by the time Sunday got here. And I worry about the same thing happening again. And the other, you know, Amari Cooper's a nine-year pro, and he's a pro's pro in every sense of the word. But... He's never caught a ball from Joe Flacco. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Right, so you're not only looking at starting your fourth quarterback, you're looking at the third time in season that you've had a quarterback come to practice and throwing to guys that he's never thrown with. When Watson first got hurt, Dorian had never thrown to the starters. Not at all. He'd thrown to said Tillman, who wasn't a starter then, but is now because they were high school teammates. And that that right. obviously showed up yesterday. And good for Tillman, right, for for making some plays and and finally starting to look like uh, that he could get it. Um, you know, but then PJ Walker had never been here. He wasn't here in camp. He was the practice squad guy. He was scout team and probably barely that, right? Dorian was probably running the scout team because the coaches barely knew PJ Walker, anything about PJ Walker. And so now you have Joe Flacco who got here last week. Hadn't been in anybody's camp anywhere, has never thrown with any of these guys, right? Oh, except Elijah Moore. All right, hate to give my good stuff away, but I'm going to give you something here. Joe Flacco's first pass is a New York Jet. You guys know what it was? It was a 25 yard completion to Elijah Moore. I'm not saying go buy him on your fantasy teams. <laughs> but I think, like I said, I think come Wednesday or Thursday, or probably by Kevin's, Kevin's preference, long into Pacific time on Friday afternoon, there'll be an announcement that Flacco is the starter. Actually, you know what? I don't think so. I don't think there'll be any announcement. I think that Flacco will be the starter, but I think you'll see 
up to five guys take snaps, and you'll see both quarterbacks participate in some form or fashion. But a very limited for P.J. Walker, because I could not agree with you more. He has proven to be a walking turnover. Um, you know, this was an earned seven and three, Jason, by this defense and by this team. You know, being clutch in different phases at, at different key moments. But at one point, the stat was the of, of the top five turnover committers in the league. PJ Walker and Deshaun Watson were in them, and both of them had played three games. Jarring, you know <laughs> that that was that was like three games ago. Now, which is 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 a galaxy ago because Deshaun finally played a great game and then got hurt, and then all this has happened, and this led us to potentially thirty-eight-year-old Joe Flacco drafted in two thousand and eight, seven wins in Cleveland Browns Stadium, or maybe not. I forget what it is. I counted it when it first happened. And one of his last games with the Ravens was in Cleveland Brown Stadium, too. They lost an ugly one, like 10-6 or something to Baker Mayfield. And Joe was replaced shortly thereafter. Well, don't forget last year's debacle. Well, right. The one that he won. They, yeah. yeah. But he only started one more game after that until the season finale. So that's all the football he's played. And, and it's you know he's played more. And they, the reason they got him here is because he's played more. He's been in different offenses. He's seen everything in this league, big games teams that had to win by defense playoff games in Denver where everybody's counting you out and you win, right? Now that's 11 years ago now, but um, you know, what does he have left in the tank? We don't know. And the fact that Kevin seems willing, Kevin seems like he believes it's mandatory to find out. That's really alarming. Way, way more than it could be termed any other way. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it's not worth revisiting now at this point, but I just can't believe that this is the position they find themselves in at quarterback. Some of it's been out of their control. Some of it, I believe, is absolutely within their control, and they allowed it to get to this point where you have to count on P.J. Walker. It, it just, it just, I'd like, I mean, it's, it's probably an emotional overreactionary decision because it's bad enough you had to go get Flacco, but I can't believe P.J. Walker's still on this roster. I mean, P.J. Walker was starting to... Guys, th- this team is still like 60-some percent by the computers to make the playoffs. We'll see how it goes. P.J. Walker was starting games for this team when he was still on the practice squad. Okay? And Joe Flacco this Sunday might start a game and might still technically be on the practice squad. Yeah. Because if you don't think Dorian's going to get cleared, you have to go add somebody by mandatory. So you could go way down and find some total nobody that's available to join your practice squad and be out here in L.A. just in case. Or you could go get Kellen Mond off the Colts practice squad in which you have to make him active roster for three weeks. Because now you, you, you also have to think, A, we don't know when Dorian might get cleared. Or B, what if Flacco or PJ comes in and gets hurt? Yep. Because then if Dorian's not cleared, you got to have at least somebody. And by the way, a two-by-four or a parking cone is about as effective as Jaron Christian is these days. Like the shine well, is off at left tackle so, yeah, and yeah, Flacco you know can't move. Games, they got three games out of him, right? He, he's another yeah. one. He wasn't on the team. Um, until he joined the practice squad on Halloween on November 12th, he started in Baltimore. You know, like they, you squeeze what you can squeeze out of these guys. And, and frankly, the personnel department has done a good job of finding the right guys in these circumstances. You know, the guy they claimed before this Leroy Watson got him off the Niners practice squad. You know, he's never played in an NFL game until he came in for one snap as an extra tackle against the Steelers. So you've been around for, six years or something like that. So you're going to have an immobile left tackle and a quarterback who can't move. So we probably have not seen the last of BJ Walker. I mean, Christian told me after the Ravens game that he split the the reps all week with Leroy Watson. 
And even though he was first in line, he did not know until the, till they landed in Baltimore that he was starting the game. And they won that game from yep. 14 down, from 15 down, from 14 down three different times. But yeah, no, some of that, Jason, is just the situation, right? This is a good offensive line, but that's not the first time this year that it's got overwhelmed when they're in a hopeless QB score situation. Right. And, and that's the issue with this team is that if the other team scores 17, they're probably getting beat unless the defense scores multiple times. I see the comment. Josh McCown is now available. LOL. He might be worth a phone call. I think Josh McCown right now might be better than PJ Walker. He is. Well, I'll tell you what, he's better than some of the other USFL options that are available to try out for you right now. Yeah. I mean, he, he just is a team has not had to go four deep and had four different guys win a game since 2015. And to me, it's crazy that it's even happened twice in the 2000s. Gosh. Because usually if you get to your second, you're screwed. Right. Yep. At least at least past two, two or three games. Right. So, all right, we're still going. Let me go here. I, I don't know the answer to this. And this is a little presumptuous, but I brought it up. People have listened. We do appreciate you guys doing this here. If, if this goes poorly, Jason, right? Injuries or other reasons, or you know, obviously injuries would be a part of it. And, and they miss the playoffs. There, there would be clear excuses, right? But that would mean that it gets ugly the rest of the way. You know, there, there's there's six games left, um, all some level of winnable, and it certainly right now kind of sizes up like Christmas Eve in Houston might be winnable, right? But like, if it doesn't go well. And I think I saw on Twitter you guys talked about this on the show today, you and Tyvish. Um, <laughs> um, you know, that would be three straight years not making the playoffs. And that would be like, you know, in an all-in season, and the money they've spent, kind of a dream schedule that it looked like a week ago, right? Like, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying it's right or a change would be mess- necessary. But we know how these owners think, league-wide. We know how this owner thinks and operates. And, I mean, couldn't we be headed for some real, real awkward moments if, if, if they don't find a win here in these next two weeks? I mean, you can't rule anything out with, with this ownership group. I thought that we passed the lunacy stage when they got to 73, when they beat Baltimore and Pittsburgh in back-to-back weeks. I thought that we survived the, the, uh, the landmines of senility. But I guess it's it's always possible. Yeah, sure. Um, I think he's done enough right now. Go ahead. Samuel, I see your comment. Who is getting more from this roster? That's a fair question. But the thing is, this is your roster right now, and it's never going to be this good. And this is the organization that you've gone all in on. So if they miss three years in a row, I mean, who's to say it's going to be better? Right? And that's a fair. And again, I'm not advocating for it. This has been Andrew Berry's best offseason. Now there's been misses. And, and the, the Josh Dobbs thing looms and some other things, right? This Kevin's had a really good year. He's, he's had some misses. So that that is a, a, I understand you asking that question, but that has nothing to do with these being the right guys to get the Browns to where they want to go. Now, ultimately, the easy answer to that is the Browns are never going to get where they're going to go because the Watson trade was a disaster, and, and they're all in here, and they're going to have nothing to show for it. But Outside of that, I think you have to ask, and I just am throwing it out there. I'm certainly not advocating for it. I'm certainly not saying it's right. I'm just saying that that to me is not is not the, the answer you get from that question does not tell you that you can ever win. 
And that's what it's about. Yeah, I think it's nonsensical to make any sort of change to get with the injuries that they've had to get this team to even seven and three was remarkable. And I, I wrote and I believe it. He should have extended him last week. He's earned it. He earned right. it after beating Baltimore and Pittsburgh. You know he showed everything that he needed to show. And it's been different circumstances. It's all been about the quarterback in different ways. In 2021, they sucked from Thanksgiving on. In 2022, they sucked from Thanksgiving on. Now it's 2023 Thanksgiving weekend. It's sunny out where we are, but the outlook ain't real rosy. We'll see what this defense can do. You take the good news from Miles, from Jordan Elliott, from Cooper. You hope like hell that Joe Flacco's fresh and healthy, 38 years old. And you roll the ball out there against the Rams who are under 500. You hope that Denzel Ward can play. We can't forget that, right? That Anthony Walker can play. Yep. I mean, that guy should ask for more money. Um, one of many defensive guys who are going to, by the way. Um, yeah, this 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 is interesting. The good injuries news is are part of the game, but this has been just next level absurdity with the injuries on this team. I, no, no rational person should be expected to overcome losing. <laughs> who owns this team? Who owns this team? Uh, that's why I clarified rational. No <laughs> rational. Logical thinking person should ever be expected to overcome losing Never. your franchise quarterback, your franchise running back, your right tackle, your left tackle, your best cornerback. I mean, come on. This is this is this is bordering on the theater of the absurd in terms of the injuries. It and is. they keep finding a way for the most part. I made it the is. argument today on the show, it's the Rams game, if they lose the Rams game, it's gonna feel like the building's on fire and everyone's gonna start screaming to fire everybody and da 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 da. da. You're the one who kind of made me realize the NFC games aren't quite as important. The gauntlet of AFC games that reside after this game against the Rams is far more important to me than anything that happens on Sunday. Yeah. And look, if you can beat the Chicago Bears. Yep. And what's left of the New York Jets. Yep. then you only need one other win to practically guarantee yourself that there's a lot that can go on. But these other teams that are creeping up, like we know Denver is not great, and we know they're due some for some turnover regression, some other things, right? Like the Colts and Steelers still play each other. The Colts and, Tex- the, and Texans still play each other, I believe, right? Like, you know, you, you, if you get 10, you're, you're almost in. But, like, with six left, 10 means going three and three. And I know you play Jake Browning at the end, yep. or maybe A.J. McCarron. Right, the way quarterbacks are dropping, you don't know. Like I, I, I thought in our AFC North whip around, I thought, um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm just going to give the answer that's that's simple or the or the one that I know is going to rile up the crowd. But I really last week put some thought into it because the Ravens are the best team in the division, Jason, and they're in the best position. But they play a tough schedule, and the way quarterbacks are dropping, and the way the Steelers just, you know, finally won a game, fi- finally outgained an opponent for the first time in 11 games yesterday. Like, now you can rule the Bengals out, but how could you really rule anybody out? Right. Well, I think you nailed uh, the the three I've circled are Chicago and the Jets because they're both at home. And then at Cincinnati Week 18, they'll be halfway to Cancun with P.J. Walker, at quarterback. So those are the three. Those are the three got to have it as far as I'm concerned. Anything on top of that is great. They could easily win this game against the Rams. The Rams aren't very good. They could easily lose it, but they could easily win it. And winning it actually buys them a little bit of breathing room, and then I think everyone feels pretty good about where they're at and their odds of it. But I look at Chicago, the Jets, and the Bengals as the three gotta have it games, and you're in. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah. Um, you know, the problem is that if you do lose to the Rams and lose to the Jags, who are playing for the number one seed, by the way, and that's a huge freaking deal, especially this year in the AFC. Um, you know, that would be three straight and you'd be reeling. Yep. If you have real offensive, we know they have real offensive issues. If you have almost damn near impossible to overcome offensive issues, then you're going to lose this Sunday, right? Um, if, if these injury issues, like if Miles is limited, if Denzel doesn't play again, if Amari's got to protect himself out there and play with a quarterback that's never thrown him a pass in practice, you know, that's the kind of stuff that would be more alarming than just losing the game. So the whole goal coming out here was to win one of the two. So And they got a chance to do that, right? The Rams are are healthy. They did win yesterday, and they're, in theory, in where they are in the standings playing for the seventh seed in the NFC. Are they any kind of threat or contender to do anything this year? No. You know, can they give you fits with having their starting running back back and two stud receivers on the outside and this little quick guy at well, who's the kind of guy that's given the Browns fits. Yes. Yes. And, and the fact that you can't get to 17 again. So we'll see, we'll see, but just, just, just find a way they've done it. Um, and, and yesterday until they couldn't get that one stop right before Dorian got hurt. Like I thought they were going to do it again. The game had shifted. The momentum had shifted. The game had shifted. Yep. And then, Defense got gashed, the quarterback got hurt, and the season seemed to get turned upside down. But if Miles is going to be okay and Amari's going to be okay, that's good news. And, and um, good news is you have at least a chance to win this game this week. Oh, I've talked myself thirsty. So, <laughs> thirsty. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, so thank you guys for listening, for following along, for agreeing, disagreeing, all of that. I think we generally have civil discourse. I know people get excited after games. Um, it's been a wild weekend. I unpacked for a nine day road trip. I landed as Ohio state, Michigan kicked off the Denver airports way out of town. I went and met my friend. I carried my luggage for nine days in the bar and people turned around. It was a commercial that gave me a standing ovation. I wasn't missing any more of that game. Then yesterday at 8am, some idiot pulled the fire alarm in the hotel. So, um, I'm resilient like the Browns. I made it. I'm here. And um, Kevin's not going to tell who the quarterback is. We're going to go forward guessing it's Joe. And uh, starting Wednesday, stay tuned in. Keep you posted. Thanks for listening. Suffering suck attached. <laughs>